0: It's November 11th, 2020, an overcast day in Birmingham, England. Outside, copper leaves cascade to the ground, a sense of impending renewal fills the air. Inside, Rob walks confidently into his home office and eases himself into a chair. It squeaks in protest, its cheap bearings grinding. Rob is the host of a podcast that, to his delight, has an audience. He's about to record a new episode, but it's not the anticipation of that which has him in such high spirits. Instead, Rob is looking forward to gloating. Meanwhile, merely some 15 miles away, Jamie puts down a razor. The impossibly youthful-looking man risks a cautious glimpse into the mirror, casting his eyes and then his hands over his newly shaven jawline. Suddenly, Jamie's attention is wrenched from the mirror to his laptop. A zoom alert brings him panicking into the present. He's forgotten his appointments. Rushing over to the laptop, Jamie clicks a key to accept the call. It's Rob calling. Jamie can see him in his office, his mouth moving, but no sound. Rob, Rob, Rob. You're still on mute. Rob gives a stricken look and fumbles for the keyboard. All right, is this working? Can you hear me now? Ah, there you are. So, what are we doing? Who are we doing? What's going on? Rob cracks a wry smile. It's the interview with Wicked Game tonight, Jamie. A moment of recognition bridges the miles between them both as they acknowledge the enormity of their situation. Their lives, and indeed the lives of their listeners, will never be the same again. My name's Lindsey Graham, and this is Totalius Rankium, election special.
1: Hello,
2: and welcome to American Presidents Totalius Rankium. I am Jamie.
1: And I'm Rob, and we are not ranking all of the presidents from uh, Washington to whichever one's the current one at the moment, because now we are interviewing someone. This is a very unusual episode, because we're not doing history. No. It's it's current affairs, Jamie, and when it comes to current affairs, uh, we figured we should probably get hold of some more of those genuine Americans that we sometimes manage to find. Yeah, and talk talk current affairs with them. And it is a privilege to to welcome back and to welcome a couple of people. Uh, first of all, we have Stephen, who has been on the show before. Um, But we also have Lindsey Graham on as well. And, well, I'll I'll just pass it over to you guys. Um, why, Why did we choose you to talk to, do you think? I have no earthly idea. (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh i am presuming that you chose uh lindsey and, and myself because of our uh fascination and obsession with american history and american politics look and look this election. is
0: the, this is one of the last times i'm gonna be i'm gonna to tolerate being confused with the senator you probably <laughs> thinking you're talking to someone who knows something about u.s government but but look i just <laughs> have the same name
3: yep yep not not that lindsey graham a very different lindsey graham
1: Yeah, I I, I probably should have pointed out at the start um, that this isn't Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, but it's Lindsey Graham. (laughs) Um, But I'm not sure that would have cleared anything up, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) It must be so hard online to be a Lindsey Graham right now. Yes, um,
0: I can. I can pretty much tell you without ever reading a newspaper or anything else about uh, of current events when the senator uh, has done something because <laughs> my twitter mentions blow up uh, it, uh the past couple of days have been exquisite i mm-hmm. really enjoyed them um the truth is though i do actually kind of enjoy it because um the people who make the mistakes uh are are mistake makers and um, so they are so of, of an ilk that fall for things. And uh, I like to play along and poke and prod <laughs> oh. as much as
1: possible. The only person I'd be confused with is the, the scientist who came up with the third Boyle's Law to do with gas. I mean, it's just not yep. exciting. <laughs> no, no, one's, no one's confusing me on Twitter well, I think that's very exciting. It's more exciting than
3: mine. The only other Stephen Walters that I'm aware of is I believe a, a Christian songwriter and, and I don't know
1: that anybody's reaching out to him or me. So. <laughs> Do you have anyone, Jamie?
2: Uh, apparently it's a Canadian guy who invented some sort of engine for a boat.
0: Huh.
2: <laughs> that's it.
0: I, I will tell you, Stephen, I, I am uh, just Googled you and I am really <laughs> envious because Stephen Walters you're all over the front page of your google results i really? i have a i have a picture of you voice actor uh, i know what movies you were in, involved people also searched for um you know and uh, you've got a wikipedia page this uh, is all lindsay this is
3: all my mother she she's responsible for all of right. this um
0: <laughs> what what's interesting here though is there's a you've got uh the third reference is is i is for Stephen walters the english actor oh yes yes that's um, right but my my envy here is that uh, you have uh, any mention of first page google results at all uh, google me and it will say did you mean this and you, you and <laughs> and you say no i really meant with an ay and google will keep insisting that you may you meant an ey am uh, I'm, I'm lost in
3: the search engine wars here <laughs> it's gonna be a t- it's gonna be a tough road ahead. Speaking
1: of the 2020 election speaking
3: of, <laughs> of, of Joe Biden's first term in office, a tough road ahead.
1: Well, th- speaking of elections, that is obviously why we have called you on, um, and you you've, it, it, we're so pleased you agreed to come on on the show because obviously you you, you yourselves have come up with uh, uh, a fairly popular, shall we say, uh, history podcast, uh, a very ambitious podcast where you have in the space of just over a year, covered every single election in American history. Where did that idea come from?
3: Well, Lindsay uh, approached me with this idea uh, about I guess a year and a half ago, and I'll let Lindsay tell you about it. But I, I was probably the only person insane enough to say to say yes, I will help you with this. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that we did. I told Lindsay the other day, I'm incredibly proud of, of what we've accomplished on this podcast. But it has been well, it was a tough road ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, so um, you know, I realize that we haven't actually mentioned it. Um, so Steve and I are are the is the team behind the podcast American Elections Wicked Game, and uh, I. I created this podcast. Well, after after hearing a similar one, a similar effort uh, from the Washington Post. What's her name? Lily Cunningham uh, was the host of that, and her her podcast Presidential did something similar in the run up to the 2016 election, uh, in which she had one episode per president. It was more biography than it was uh, what Wicked Game turned into. Yeah. But um, I uh, I. I liked that concept. It, it felt neat. It had an ending point. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if, if we wanted to bail, we, had, we could. But really, I, I wanted this podcast to educate Americans and, and obviously you know, others um, hmm. that, that what I knew would be tumultuous and uh, divisive uh, is not un, unusual. We have been through similar, if not worse, times in our po- political history uh, over and over again, and uh, it, it was a, a search for solace, really, and a, a reminder that we we shall overcome. Um, now, I, I'm sure everyone is worried that this particular instant is different, but um, I don't think it is, you know, too different. Certainly, we, we're... <laughs> when the shots were fired at fort sumter that was different hmm. but mm-hmm. um but yeah so I, this this was a a a survey of every single election to to discover or rediscover that uh dirty tricks and underhanded shiftiness uh has always been with us
1: it sounds like a very similar uh a path i went down when i first decided oh you know what we should do presidents now we've done emperors Because I, I just wanted to know Is this normal? <laughs> Everyone's talking about this is unprecedented times Is this unprecedented times? Uh, how much should I be worried <laughs> About oh. the state of the world? Uh, so let's go back and actually look At each president one by one um, mm. And find out uh, It's um, It's quite a journey to go on I, I certainly, I'm finding that uh, Stephen, you did the re- research For Wicked Game mm-hmm. How did you find that? Because that must have been tricky, doing one episode a week and you've got a strict deadline because if you mess up, you'll miss the 2020 elections.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, from a tactical matter, it was just about having enough runway, making sure that I budgeted my time um, and making sure that I knew just enough, but not too much to not be able to see the forest through the trees. I mean, I think one Hmm, of the things that we... I think one of the things that we succeed at doing um, in the in the scripting of Wicked Game is making sure that we're looking at it from a sort of three thousand foot view, and only zooming in to get lost in the weeds when it really matters. Um, you know, distilling complex, nuanced, uh, you know, political optics down to sort of digestible nuggets is is not easy. But like anything, it, you get better at it as you go along. And you know what I what I found in the journey from seventeen eighty nine to twenty twenty. Is that you know I, I I've said this before and in, in multiple interviews, but it, it's a bit like my one of my favorite sci-fi TV shows, Battlestar Galactica. All of this <gasps> has all of all of this has happened before, <laughs> and all of it will happen again. And that's so that... say we all. Yeah, so say we all indeed. And you know, it's like the Winston Churchill quote. This is sort of my driving force. This is really like, if I had to sum up what my voice as a writer is in 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 one quote, it would be the Winston Churchill quote: "Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it." And I think that that's that's really at the heart of most of my work as a playwright, as a screenwriter, as a TV writer and as a podcast uh, creator. And that's that's sort of um, all of that is, has proven to be true as I've as I've made this this journey through history with Lindsay, which has been remarkable, terrifying. I mean, you mentioned earlier, you said, should we be should we be scared, you know, um, mm. uh, or, or worried? I mean, I think about what's happening right now in the aftermath of the, of the 2020 general election. I don't know. Um, I do think that there are things about what's happening right now that are unprecedented. Um, I don't know that we should be scared or worried, but I do think we should take it seriously. You know, I think when you see yeah. the, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, make the, the <sighs> comment that he made this week, um, I think you have to take that seriously. That's the Secretary of State of the United States of America. That's our chief diplomat, right? I mean, you have to take that seriously. When you see Trump cleaning house in the Department of Defense, I think you have to take that seriously. And whether what's motivating President Trump uh, right now, um, whether that is psychological, whether that's this is about his ego and his fear of losing and his inability to accept losing, or whether this is about an attempt to steal something, I think either way, we just have to take it seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's serious stuff, politics. <laughs> yeah, it is. So It's not something you should make a lighthearted... It's like comedy show. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> <Definitely not. laughs> oh boy! Oh, well. Go, going back to your your research, Stephen. Uh, sure. I know. I found a sudden ramp up in in information uh, as soon as you really hit the nineteen hundreds. Mm. You you said trying to make sure you can see the woods through the trees. Uh, that's when I've started to find it much more tricky. Did was there any particular time in history that you covered that you found harder than others?
3: Yeah, I think I mean the early elections are are difficult because you know it's it's just it's so distant from you know what we have today, and and yet the mechanics of the political electioneering and the you know. Uh, battles for power are very similar to what they are today. It's just that the system that these games, these wicked games, as John Adams called them, the system that they were happening inside of was just a little bit different. And, and so I think that making the listener understand in a, dig- in a digestible way how that system was different was, was a bit of a challenge. Um, but, you know, in those early elections, you know, so everything pre-12th Amendment, you know, 1796 and 1800 in particular, it was wild, I mean, it was absolutely wild. In the election of 1796, the president and the vice president were from two different political factions,
1: hmm. Hmm.
3: you know, and in the election of 1800, there was a tie and it got kicked to the House of Representatives. And, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a complete and total disaster. Um, and so, you know, through that prism, what's happening right now doesn't seem unprecedented. You know, like the fact that we have a we you know, we have this contested result if we're if we're going to be generous and call it that. Um, I, I think yeah. that's, I think that's a little bit too generous to the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's just my opinion. Um, but certainly mm-hmm. we have had these crises before. Um, I think what makes this one different, what makes 2020 different is that the thing that Trump is doing has actually not happened before. You know, so this is only yeah. the, if you think of it from a historical perspective, this is only the third election in American history that's happened on the heels of an impeachment. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got we've got the election of 1868 you know, Grant versus, I guess, Seymour. We've got the election of 2000, Bush versus Gore. And then we've got the election of 2020. All three of those elections have a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels. And there's, it's always, there's no calm after the storm. There's, There's chaos after the storm. Um, And each of them in their own unique ways uh, played themselves out in in improbable ways. But there's a lot of there's a lot of parity between those three elections and a lot of similarities, particularly if you look at 2000. Right. We had this very, very close election. And there's no doubt this elect this election is close. I mean, even though, you know, Biden will likely win the popular vote by, you know, perhaps as many as six million, seven million. Right. When it's when all the votes are counted from an electoral college perspective, it's very, very close um just like the 2016 election it's come down to you know what 100,000 votes i don't know the exact number right now but it's going to be tight um same thing in 2000 um except you know obviously in 2000 it came down to one state florida now we've got sort of yeah. these these you know conflicting things happening in multiple states spread right across the country but it's just interesting the way
1: that history repeats itself well uh, talking of uh history repeating itself what And and perhaps um, you'll both be able to answer this one. What is the most shocking thing that's come up in everything you've covered? Is there anything that's made you go, oh, wow, I I wasn't aware of that, or actually that was a lot worse than I first thought it was? And also, uh, just to make it clear for our listeners, uh, Stephen, you're uh, the main researcher and writer. Um, Lindsay, do you have any impact on the scripts or are you the narrator
0: well steve do i have any impact on the scripts oh yeah
1: i mean you know we Lindsay and i have worked together in
3: a bunch of projects spread out over a bunch of different mediums in the podcast space right audio drama to you know these single narrator shows we definitely work in tandem together to build these things Lindsay's an incredible editor um and also has you know a good conceptual vision of what a story is so it's definitely a collaboration uh from from you know top to bottom
0: yeah i i and this is not my only podcast. I, uh, this is my third oh, yeah. weekly podcast, and so i, I have <laughs> I have relinquished much of the writing, editing, producing duties because I had to. I'm um, doing three of these a week, um, and so it, it's always been a, a bit of a contentious point for me that uh, that the listener should understand that, that I'm not the entirety of these projects. Um, hmm. Oftentimes, as the voice, as the narrator. Um, I get, uh, I'm, I'm given the full credence and, um, and I want to make it clear that no, I, I at this point I'm narrating, but I, I, have longstanding partners like Steve who we've gone through the process so much, uh, prior and, uh, we've developed a rhythm and we, and I think Steve understands me as, uh, and, and I understand his writing. Um, so it's, uh, there's been a few times in which, uh, I've kicked something back because I didn't understand it. I think that's the biggest thing for me is um i don't understand it and it's that's not a factual problem that's more of a uh, uh a story arc problem something mm, will, will yeah. bump into me as I, the, I i lost the thread i don't know where it's going or where uh, or, or what the connection is and uh so i'm i'm really just the the
1: final check to make sure that that this narrative works i, I suppose in a way in total your job, Jamie, in real time rather than there being a script that can be kicked back if something isn't clear. That Your job is to go, I, I have just... no idea what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> and I just ask lots of awkward questions.
1: Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So sorry, I've just realised. It was a poor question. It came in two parts. Um, so I, I'll just go back to the uh, the original question, which uh, was uh, is there anything that you have covered uh, that really stood out as uh, shocking?
3: Yes. I, I, I'll take that one. I, I think that the the biggest impact that this process has had on me is that it has confirmed my suspicion that a lot of the things that I was taught growing up. I'm from Texas. I'm one of those weird liberal Texans. I don't mind outing my <laughs> I don't mind outing my political worldview. I'm a I'm, I'm a socially conscious liberal. Uh, you know, I, obviously, issues of civil rights and justice and equality are at the core of my sort of political worldview. And I think that a lot of the narratives that were were taught uh, in school growing up particularly in the south but all across the states tells what i call the sort of lost cause mythology version of history which yeah. says that you know that says that the civil war was primarily an economic matter and sort of kind of brushes slavery to the side and and makes it sort of secondary ancillary or in a lot of cases non-existent right wow. um and, and i think that the thing that's crystal clear to me now in my reading of history is that we are where we are today, this country in 2020, in large part because we never had true reconciliation in the aftermath of the Civil War. You know, the reasons that led us to the Civil War are plain. You know, the original sin of slavery was at the heart of that. But in the aftermath of the war, reconciliation never occurred. You know, John Wilkes Booth assassinating Abraham Lincoln, I believe robbed the country of a real chance for reconciliation because his successor is, is you guys we talked about this mm. i think for an entire mm-hmm. episode but andrew johnson was uniquely unsuited to bring the country together um <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's a you, polite way of putting that's it. a very very diplomatic way to put it you know you could also argue that it was not going to be a, an easy task and that no matter who it was that even lincoln at the top of his game would have struggled and mm. i think that's probably true similarly i think you know if you look at the task before joe biden today i mean it's it's this is a deeply divided country and those divisions the, the the roots of them the seeds of them happened during the reconstruction era and they're still with us today this this you know divide between the you know elite and the working class this this regional divide between you know north and stow- south the coastal states versus middle america um, you know the the class divides the social divides the racial divides all those things are with us and they can all be traced back to to the reconstruction era or to the original sin of slavery and that's, if I could give you, that's both, been the biggest sorry. thing.
2: No, no, please go ahead. As I was to say, if I could give you both a magic wand, what what would aid towards that being reconciled, perhaps a little bit more? <laughs> if I could go back in time and change something. Well, you saw, so you, you hit on the sort of the Lincoln. You know, would it would have been probably insurmountable. You'd have, had, you know, at least tried, at least gone part way to to achieving it. But even now in the future is it something do you think that oh, is the rift always going to be there, or is it something that could, with a little More pressure from one side, or a little bit of relenting from another side, make it more flowy.
3: I think it will. I think the truth, the sad truth, is it's it's bleak. But I think it's always going to be there. You know what I mean? I think I think tribalism is a part of human nature, and I think it's an it's incumbent upon those of us who want the like in the United States who want the Constitution to live up to its highest ideals. I think it's incumbent upon us to, at every opportunity, give voice and advocate for those 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 you know. Values of justice and equality. But I mean, it's like, this is the other thing. It's like, this is all this has happened before, and all it's happened again. I mean, hmm. every time there is a massive push by folks in power to try to move the needle of justice, there is always, you know, for every reaction, there is a counter reaction, right? And we yeah. see that in history time and time and time again. I mean, I believe, and this is just my opinion, but I believe Donald Trump, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he was elected. I just finished the, the you know, the 2016 episode. It's a, we could talk about that all day, but yeah. I mean, but one, you know, Van Jones on CNN the night of the twenty sixteen election, he called it a white lash, you know, and that's that's an oversimplification. But but you know, to to folks of color living in the United States, that's how it felt, and that pain is real. That doesn't mean that's the only reason that it happened, but yeah. you know, in the wake of our first black president, we have. Who, a person who is in my opinion the most detestable person to ever occupy the office and one of the lowest individuals to ever walk the earth I mean I, th- I do not I think, Donald, <laughs> I think Donald Trump is as bad as Andrew Johnson if not worse
2: Don't hold back though
1: No I, I won't
3: <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm probably on a list now but I
1: don't care <laughs> um, Well has the uh, because obviously you have gone through one by one every single election And you started that not too far from the 2020 election. In fact, because you guys are just ridiculous in America, your elections last forever. Yes. (laughs) Um, You were in the middle, you could argue, of the 2020 election when you started Wicked Game. That's right. And I'm just going to point out to any of our American listeners, elections in, in our country last by law a month. You can't start campaigning before nope. that month starts. Right. And that's it. Yeah. It's it's so nice that we've got that. I never appreciated that. Until <laughs> I got into American <laughs> politics.
2: So I, I um. just wish they'd apply that to Christmas Christmas items you can buy in
1: shops. <laughs> yes. But yeah, going back to to the question. Um. So you you've gone through every single election, but right. you started in the middle of the 2020 build up. Did your views or opinions of the 2020 election change? As you were doing the research, as you were putting this podcast together,
0: you know, uh, twenty twenty has been a year, and um, <laughs> yes, it has. And so, uh, I, for me, it was a, um, what should, you know, just a a confirmation of the mission of the podcast. I mean, because really, we packed a lot into uh, into this year. Um, mm. We had. Um, just about every single problem in um, of, of in America's history in this year and uh, and so it was the, the the project was just this fantastic mirror of our own moment um, and uh, so you know the pandemic aside which you know we we can also point to as something that we've gone through before um, but th- just the strife and the, and the and, uh, the fight for racial e- equity um so much has happened in this year that we can point to throughout this process. So the question was, did, did this year uh, affect the project? I would say the project affect my view of this year. Um, it just reinforced that, although this is an extraordinary concentration of events in one year, that we've been through this before.
3: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's not for nothing. The 2020 election started on January 20th, 2017, which was Donald Trump's first day in office. And I don't, I mean, I mean that literally he filed to run for reelection on his first day. So the election began on day one. And, And now I believe if you look at what's happening in, you know, today in 2020, I think a lot of what Trump is up to right now is, you know, laying the groundwork potentially for him to start his own cable news network. I think that's why you're seeing him amp up the rhetoric that's anti-Fox News. But also, I think a lot of the folks in the Republican Party, guys like Ted Cruz, they are already eyeing the 2024 election. So, the, oh, yeah. the, you know, if the, if the Republican consensus today is that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president, they're just starting the 2024 campaign before the 2020 election has been officially certified. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's it's just a, a continuous cycle. Which I mean, you do get in in any kind of uh, politics where you have elections, there will obviously be that continuous cycle. Uh, but it really does seem to be ramped up to the max in American politics. It does. Uh, it makes me yeah. very jealous uh, of of the system that that, that y'all have. We uh, we are. Our, our in system a much certainly, certainly place. has its faults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Electoral College is just a nonsense, uh, but we actually have something very similar. It's the same as everything in life. It's just not quite as big or bombastic as the American version is so it's
3: it's more british more restrained more yeah it doesn't like to cry
1: you (laughs) mean (laughs) yes yeah exactly no one's loudly (laughs) shouting about it in the streets we're just occasionally tut about it as we pass each other in, in the street whilst queuing right well we've talked about uh wicked game and it is an amazing podcast and if any of our listeners for whatever reason have not listened to wicked game go go and listen to it it's it's fantastic um and i really enjoyed it when you overtook us uh, because then I could start using your episodes as prepping for my episodes. Uh, well, you're which welcome. Was nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> glad, glad
3: to be of service.
1: But let's let's start talking about the the election that's just happened, shall we? Um, yes. Uh, and also maybe a bit about 2016 election because let's face it, the two are very closely linked. I mean, what what did you what did you get up to on I was about to say election night? Uh, what did you get up to on election week month? Were, were you staying up and watching it uh no i
0: i was fully prepared that this was going to be a protracted process um i was completely comfortable with that i uh certainly i have my own personal memories of 2000 and uh and it looks like this was going to be close and contested regardless so um i i just went to bed and uh <laughs> very I, I, wise I, um and then I went, continued going to bed for the next several days uh, <laughs> until, until really, I guess it was Saturday, right? When when uh, the, yeah. the the pollsters and, and media outlets started to call it. Um, and uh, my biggest task at that point was just changing the cover art of of the podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, th- there was. There's some satisfaction that I was able to do that timely, and then, of course, <laughs> um, the the big question was what happens next, and I, I I had no no idea, absolutely no idea. Every day is 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 completely fresh, uh, a a virgin <laughs> field of unknownness, and uh, um, and I'm just astounded.
3: <laughs> I uh. uh, uh I did the opposite. I did not sleep. I was glued to the television as I have been for the last four years, like a complete and total crazy person. And I am still, this is a nice respite from what I've, I've been doing with my days, which is staring at the television in complete and total horror. Um, you know, the, they, 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 say Trump's bad for America, but great for ratings. And I am a case study in that because I just can't take my eyes off the horror show. I just can't.
1: Was there a particular network you were,
3: uh... Glute. Oh, no, I, I, I go through all of them. I click from yeah. CNN to MSNBC to Fox News. I, I mean, I want to hear what the conservative media is, is saying because, you know, we do live in two different information realities in our country
1: oh yeah it, i found yeah. it fascinating flicking between cnn and uh fox news yeah as as yeah. results were coming in just to see how it was all being reported that's
3: fascinating i mean it's it's absolutely fascinating and, and i have a lot of because i am born and raised in texas i have a lot of conservatives in my family and in my inner circle and i like to know what information they're getting so that when i Tell them how wrong they are. I at least have uh, an understanding of, of what it is that they think, right, and and what they're being told.
2: Can I just ask a question? How, how do they reconcile being a conservative with Trump? Oh that's boy, that's a big question. That's a big question. Um, so, I, so I think
0: I think you have to realize that uh, <laughs> that these labels mean nothing and haven't for a long time. Um, the the fact that uh, a full quarter of persons who voted for Hillary Clinton. In the primaries that she lost to and uh, to Obama, then yeah. switched and voted for McCain. Uh, the fact wow. that ten percent of uh, Bernie Sanders supporters did the same and voted for Trump. The fact that, that 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 the parties don't resemble what they did five years ago, let alone fifty years ago. That yeah. there are there is as much vociferous. Uh, uh, just vitriol between the left and the center of the Democratic Party, uh, uh, as there is yes. between parties at all, indicates that this is just a a, a, a fantastically uh, mislabeled, uh, misunderstood melange of opinions that every person has and can't quite put their own finger on.
2: Yeah, right.
3: I completely agree with that. And I think a lot of honestly, I think a lot of the the neoconservatives, I I would define that in the most simplest terms as being the George Bush Republicans. Um, mm. A lot of them did not vote for Trump the first time. A lot of them did. And most of the ones I know who did uh, voted for Biden in 2020. Um, mm. And I think that that tells you that the, the short answer to your question is, is that the true conservatives out there do not reconcile it and have turned yes. on, and have turned on him.
0: But the, you know the the vote count doesn't bear out that anecdote as it, as 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 universal. Um, clearly forty eight point seven percent of Americans, uh, or whatever it is, it's close enough to that, you know still call themselves conservatives and still vote for for uh, trump and and many of them enthusiastically. Um, so I have this problem if there was another mission for another podcast, it would be to, <laughs> it would, it would be to explain these concepts to investigate what conservatism means, what capitalism yeah. means, what liberalism means. Um, I would like to take uh, four or five weeks and just, and just ask the question, what is a political conservative? Because it, 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 clearly, that we know the party has changed, but there have always been conservatives, and even if, in this this show in particular, uh, points it out that the the conservatives had um, less policy uh, agreement with conservatives today as uh, as they do temperamental uh, agreement.
3: Yeah, and I I mean I think that I, I think that would be f- a fascinating case study, but I I would I would argue Lindsay that that there are there are true conservatives in in america right and i don't just mean like tea party conservatives i mean you know true classic conservatives that consider themselves like strict constructionists when it comes Mm -hmm. to the constitution and i think a lot of those people did come out for biden i mean you know what is it what 25 more million people voted for biden than they did hillary clinton and i think that that's in part because he brought republicans moderate republicans and some conservative republicans under his tent and i think that it's equally true that the reason that trump got so many more votes in 2020 is because he grew his coalition so i mean you know i i do i think it's not necessarily binary i think that there are a lot of people on the right who call themselves conservatives and don't really know what that means just like i think there's a lot of people on the left who call themselves liberals and don't really know what that means you know i Mm. I think
2: i think you're right there because um like because uh, I think a lot of people punish Trump because that you're not conservative, but the conservatives did vote for their Senate members, for example, because they're doing quite well, aren't they?
3: They are, From what yeah, I they it. are. Which is also the great fallacy in Trump's uh, claim that the election was rigged, right? It's like so all these <laughs> <Yeah>. so all <laughs> yes. these secret Democrats get together and they go into these polling <laughs> booths all across the the nation and they rig the election so that uh, so that so that Trump loses and Biden wins, but they don't take the time to go down ballot. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I think that's so so It's funny. genius, it's the last thing they'd expect <laughs> yes.
0: who, would
3: ever, who would ever root that out, right? You
1: know,
0: you know, if I were writing this If I were writing this uh, Let's say as a, as a follow on to, to, I don't know, terms The podcast terms uh, I, would, um, I would have The sneaky Democratic uh, Conspiracy um, Steal the election for the Senate But not for the presidency Because then yeah. they could mm-hmm. hide it And yeah. impeach him again yeah. And yep. actually get a conviction in the Senate. Perfect,
1: yeah. right? Perfect. Yeah. That's drama right there, that is. But then
0: a plucky young journalist finds out.
1: <laughs> you know what, let's just do it now. right? Who his, wants name, to be which his name is Julian
3: Assange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so did, um, did you predict or did you even make a prediction on the election? And if so, did you get it right? Uh, because Jamie and I uh, did it, did a little bet, Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, which is why Jamie's clean shaven at the moment. <laughs>
3: and and how? Uh, what were
1: your predictions? I'm curious to hear that, and I'll tell you mine. My prediction is it was very boring. Um, it was Trump was very unlikely to win in 2016, um, and he won. But it was it was always a long shot. Sometimes long shots come in though, and in my opinion, it was going to be even harder for him to win this time than last time. Didn't mean he couldn't, but it was even more unlikely. So, if I was to make a bet on, say, a bottle of whiskey and the fate of Jamie's chin, uh, <laughs> I would, I would bet on Biden. Yeah, so that's who I, I bet on.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that uh, that approach, and it's it's similar to mine. Um, you know, so depending on on what figures you look at, there was a thirty percent chance that Trump would win in two thousand sixteen, and uh, so that thirty percent came in. Every once yeah. in a while, you 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 roll sn- snake eyes, right? um yeah. and but but to do it twice would be increasing the odds. Now that's some statistician is going to yell at me because that's not exactly true. You would have yeah. precisely <laughs> the odds that he would have in 2020. But but it, uh, that gambler's fallacy felt right. But more than that, I think I believe it, touching on something that Steve said earlier that the Trump was almost an inevitable uh, occasion of the Obama presidency. And uh, in the pendulum swing of politics, he swung it really hard. And, mm-hmm. and so it was inevitable that it, there would be the equal and opposite reaction and, uh, and he would reap what he sowed. Um, I, we see the pendulum all the time. It's, it's fantastic to me that there is such a wobble in American politics. Uh, but, but it's, it's there. It's, it's the, you know, the, the axis is not straight. It always processes and um so for that reason uh, alone i thought that uh trump would lose
3: i i uh, predicted that uh i was wrong i predicted that hillary would win in 2016 and of course you know trump pulled the inside we straight all did. but you know to be but to be honest i know i know but but to be honest with you i i i felt i feel that if the coronavirus pandemic had not happened i do believe trump would have been reelected.
2: i said the same thing
3: yeah no, I'm not I, convinced. Uh, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of America. I mean, just to tell you why I think that, I think that there are a lot of Americans, I think they are pre- predominantly white males who tend to vote through purely economic lenses, right? Like they, all the decisions that they make are about their bottom line. And it does, the, the other issues just don't matter. They're single issue voters in the way that the evangelical right are single issue voters over abortion. And I think hmm. that the economy, what I mean, it was undeniable whether you attribute that to the policies of Barack Obama that Trump benefited from or whether you attribute that to Trump's tax cuts and, you know, America first policy. It doesn't really matter. The, the fact is, is the economy was booming until the coronavirus pandemic happened yeah. and, and then it fell apart. And I mean, you know, a sympathetic view to Trump is is like, well, that's not really his fault that the pandemic happened. The economy falling yeah. apart its not really his fault. The, unsympath- the unsympathetic view is... The one that I take, which is that he could have kept the economy af- afloat had he you know, used the powers of the presidency and the federal government to shore up the economy and protect the American worker and the small business owner during that time. But he chose not to. He chose to downplay the virus.
2: He didn't know how to.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I'd say that there's an argument that could be made, though, that um, coronavirus was so politicized yeah. in America, and yeah. still is, uh, mm-hmm. but in the lead up to the election in particular that it became a political issue rather than a a medical one. As in, people took their sides based on who they were already going to vote for, rather than seeing the virus as a reason to change votes. Mm. Now, obviously, you'd you'd have to do a lot of research into these kind of things to see whether those statements hold up.
3: You know, when that that Woodward audio leaked, you know, of him talking about how deadly the virus was, I think that was back in February... And then saying that he deliberately chose to downplay it because he didn't want to panic the yeah. American people. I, 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 said to my dad, who you know, I said to him, I said, listen, if this, if he gets reelected after this tape, then he really can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. Like he really can do anything. Hmm. Oh, you, uh, you know,
0: I didn't find it that damning. Oof, I did. One, it wasn't surprising. <laughs> Two, um, <laughs> yeah. I've never been convinced that uh, the the President Trump does anything with um, with a lot of forethought. Or, or absorbs information and carries it with him uh, uh, to process later he I think he was just parroting what happened and said what he was thinking in the moment um, this seems to be his his methodology throughout um, he likes phrases he picks them up and uh, he uses them again uh, in, in quick succession he has no filter uh, public you know, publicly or privately and, um, and and no real ability to to be cautious in his thinking um, so, so it was it was just par for the course. I don't even know that if he believed that the the virus was dangerous, even though he said he, he did, uh, and, or understood it. I have no idea what this man actually thinks because uh, he proves over over again that he changes his mind too often. Um, mm. And so, so it wasn't damning to me because it, it was just more evidence of a person of an incautious thinker.
1: Yeah, he, and I think that's. The point I was trying to make is, if people have already made up their mind on Trump, his reaction to the virus is not going to make that much of a difference. People either accept the way he is and are happy with it, or they're not. Uh, And yeah, the coronavirus is huge, and in every other country in the world, I think it is politically uh, shaking things up. Uh, I think Trump was better placed than most to be able to weather that storm, because he's constantly in a storm. Uh, everything's always lashing around him. Yeah, so and, and, when something big comes up, he he just carried on. I mean, his is a narcissist logic, right? It's like, yeah. as long as he is the
3: subject of the conversation, it doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. As long as he is at the core of the national conversation, he's happy, he wants to be in the spotlight. And that's, I think, very clinical of, of, of someone with a narcissistic personality dis- disorder which I, I believe that he has I just I just felt like that that tape mattered in the context <laughs> of there being two 9-11s a week in terms mm-hmm. of the amount of Americans yeah. who are dying and yeah. I, I just think I think that it did I think that for for a lot of neoconservatives that I talk to right com- they, they think of themselves as compassionate conservatives you know they remember that that feeling of of despair and unity in the wake of nine eleven, and then they're watching on the news is that many Americans are dying doubly every week, and then you have a president who's downplaying it ostensibly for political gain. I think that that was for many of them the straw that broke the camel's
1: back. Jamie, you 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 thought Trump was going to win? Yes, I did. Why?
2: I'll I'll be honest. I I don't think a lot like. It, People don't listen to each other.
0: What?
2: <laughs> uh, we don't hear why people... Um, why did you vote for Trump? Well, you're an idiot.
1: Mm.
2: And that entrenches people further. Oh, you're just a redneck hick. You voted for Trump. I felt that was a swell in 2016. Cause it was a shock to me that it got in 2016. I think for a lot of people it was. Um, mm. And I could feel that again. It's like, even though all the cars were literally stacked against him, that the mm. these terrible mismanagement of the coronavirus... But what Trump is fantastic at is giving out disinformation, sorry, lies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've got the best economy in, in, in America. Yes, but you were handed a golden card <laughs> when he took over from Obama. You know, it, it's things like that. I, I felt that he'd be able to switch it in some way. And, yeah. Uh,
3: I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, sh- sh- nobody lies more frequently than President Trump does, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's that goes with the territory with him. What I find, I don't know, like researching the 2016 election, thinking about why Trump won the election out of this myriad of reasons, this, these complexities and these nuances. One yeah. of the things that sticks out to me is that he did speak to the heart of something, something that Bernie Sanders mm. was speaking to, which yeah. was this yeah. disenfranchisement that's yeah. born from economic injustice, right? These these work the working class of the US, particularly white working class in the middle parts of the country, in the Rust Belt, primarily, but not exclusively, feeling that they've been left behind by the political system. So for them it wasn't about Republicans or Democrats. It wasn't about conservative or liberal. It was just about, well, this guy's either what, our Molotov cocktail, or he's he's our con artist, right? He's our crook. You
1: know, he's yeah. gonna fight for us. How much do you think is a problem? that and th- this really stood out to me when i was listening to your, your most recent episode uh, how much of a problem is it that in 2016 the race was almost bush v clinton
0: well are you pointing at uh you know just the the existence of political dynasties
1: yeah yeah and okay. how much do you think that puts people off i don't know i mean you should ask all three adamses <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I, but I do think that
3: that t- I think it's this you brought this question up because I think it touches on this idea of of disenfranchisement, right? This idea of being disillusioned with the system mm. and this idea of feeling left behind. It's like Clinton and the Bushes, Jeb and George and George H.W. are a part of a system that ha- that seems to have no place for some of these these white working class Americans in places like the Rust Belt. And then you couple that with, uh, you know, a a big movement towards identity politics in the sort of left, left wing of the democratic party that also is telling these, these same people that perhaps they don't have a place in the new America. Right. And what, and what you're left with is you're left with people who, I don't even. I don't believe that all Trump supporters are racist. I don't think that that's a, a, a fair assessment, a fair generalization. Oh. But I, I think I think some of them are. Just like I think there's probably a lot of racist Democrats out there, right? But I think that, I think that you, you the confluence of all those things it sort of leaves the the door open for a guy like Trump to walk in and say I alone can fix it. You know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I think that the political dynasties are a problem. I think that the sort of Coastal elites, as they call them, sometimes are a problem. I think the mainstream media is a problem. Um, I think those things are contributing to this powder keg. Which I I think the the biggest problem though is not the political dynasties, not the mainstream media. I think it's social media. I think it's that mm. we're living we're living in two separate information realities. And I, I think that that is going to be such. Um, like I I I think I tweeted out one time it's not surprising that America is a show. Um, I'm paraphrasing myself in a terrible way right now, but it's not surprising that America <laughs> is a show because we were not evolved enough to have supercomputers in our pockets.
1: Mm. You know, I, we, we don't I, know how to reckon with this. Technology.
0: No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, we've, we've outmarketed ourselves. I'm deeply yeah. suspicious of democracy as, as a, a, a way to do anything. I, I kind of stick with, with, you know, we're quoting Churchill a lot here, but, um, you know that it's the the worst system except for all the rest. Um, <laughs> but um, I I do think you know telling, thinking about political dynasties why why do they happen? Well, they happen for for two reasons. One, there's the there's the grooming factor. You do what your father did, sort of. Uh, you grow up in a political household and you see the trappings and uh, advantages of it, and you become a politician. Many, you know, just ask. Uh, any of the children of the Beatles, and uh, you'll see what why they may want to have gone into uh, into uh, becoming a musician themselves. But also, there is the the entertainment factor of this. This is a sequel. This is um, they are performers. They see how to do it. They know how to do it. The family grooms them to do it. The audience expects them to do it. And um, they're comforted comforted with a reprisal of the role. Uh, it dynasties speak to the most dangerous portion of democracy, and that's a a, a blindness to the issues uh, uh, in favor of the packaging.
2: Well, you can see why, because familiarity is comforting, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, there's hmm. there are probably I don't know why movie stars exist. There are so many <laughs> t- very very talented actors, and yet you know there's probably fifty. 50 movie stars, you know? Uh, Even if there's 150, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Hmm. Someone could really save a lot of money by not hiring Tom Cruise next time.
1: It's generally a good idea. (laughs) But it never happens. Stephen, you mentioned the country being divided at the moment. Yes, Uh, You hear this a lot. Uh, Whilst I was watching the coverage of the election, every five minutes someone was talking about how divided the country was. Is this true? Do you think
3: yes? <laughs> okay, yes.
1: next question. Right, <laughs> but is the country more divided than it has been in the past, based on everything you've covered in Wicked Game, or do you think it's more a case of the divisions are just being broadcast louder? I think it's the I think it's the latter. I, I
3: don't. I mean, I, I don't think there's an argument to be made that we are more divided today than we were during the Civil War. Right, hmm. I and mean, I think that's a preposterous argument. But I think it's that we're divided in a new way, and I think it's 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 the amplification of the disinformation that's new, right? Disinformation is nothing new. Using the. The, the media, the press is a weapon to attack your political opponents is nothing new. Spreading scurrilous lies and, you know, uh, exposing dirt and scandal on your political opponents has been going on since, you know, Jefferson versus Adams in 1800, right? It's, it's, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, but what's new is the technology. What's new is the amplification. And these algorithms, I mean, you know, I, I love, I don't know if you guys have seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's an incredible documentary. I think it's, I highly recommend that everybody watch it. But that's what that's what it's speaking to. Right. It's it's speaking to this idea that these algorithms are I think there's a bit in the in the documentary where they say, you know, a tool is something that you set down on a table and you pick it up when you want to use it. Right. Mm. But social media, these algorithms are not tools. These algorithms are artificial intelligence. They're actually manipulating you. Right. Right. Because Hmm. you are in this feedback loop. If you're on Facebook, the stuff that's in your feed has been curated by a supercomputer to give you the thing that's going to cause you to engage with it, right? Whether that's, I don't know, pictures of beautiful women or beautiful men, depending on your your preference. Whether that is clickbait that's related to politics. Whether that's clickbait related to conspiracy theories like QAnon. Hmm. Whatever it is, it's going to give you more of it. And you're going to keep clicking. And if you're in this feedback loop where you're not being presented with the alternative point of view or with additional information, it's easy to see how something as insane as QAnon becomes mainstream in the Republican Party. And it's because mm-hmm. it's it's being fed to them through these advanced, complex algorithms. And And I think that that is the biggest challenge that Biden has to overcome and that we have to overcome as a, as, as, a, as a global community. I mean, I think this isn't unique to America, right? We're going to have to figure out how we reckon with this powerful tool that we have in our pockets now. And, and, you know, whose responsibility, and I don't know the answer to this, but whose responsibility is it to fix this problem? Is it Mark Zuckerberg's responsibility or is it the Congress? I mean, you know, you could make an argument that Congress makes the laws in the United States, so they have to regulate this technology. But then is that suppression of freedom of speech, right? This is an incredibly complex
1: issue, and I don't know what the answer is. And it's the same issues that America have been wrestling with ever since the, the country was formed. Yeah. Yeah. it's uh, h- how much power do you give to a government uh, so you can live in a democracy without them just becoming tyrannical uh, which is what I find interesting is that five ten years ago definitely uh, I almost found that view almost quaint if that's the right word to use it's like it, it's the way America thought, a hundred years ago, a hundred and fifty years ago. But why would anyone be thinking that now? Uh, but with things that have happened recently, these are questions that are coming up yet again. Yeah. These are the same questions that have been coming up ever since Washington took power.
3: Yeah, abs- I mean, that's 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 absolutely true, right? The the mechanics have changed only because the technology has changed, but the but the, the schematics are the same right it's mm. i mean they're they're like i said earlier they're playing the same game they're just playing it on different turf you know um yeah. i don't know i i think that you look at what the biden administration is going to have to deal with where what is it What is, what's the tally right now Lindsay? is it 75 million to 71
0: Ah, uh, i don't know so,
3: something something to that, that effect that sounds about right. Yeah, roughly right so that so 71 million voters are going to be, some portion of that 71 million voters are going to believe that Biden stole the election. So, how is Biden, and that's by design, right? I mean, this isn't an accident. This is on purpose, right? This is a strategy. This is an ability to stop America from becoming a socialist nation. That's what the, the conservatives and Republicans think.
2: That's what they think that they're doing, right? Do do these people know what socialism is? Well, I mean, they seem. No, that's, that's they seem... episode
3: three of my my next podcast. <laughs> right. No they, no,
2: they
0: hate they hate
3: socialism, but they love their social security. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. unbelievable. But but how is Biden? This is what I guess what I mean. Is like how is Biden supposed to bring these two sides together when there's that mm. much space in between what they think reality is? Oh no, I I I
0: don't know that 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 could be Biden's uh, task. Of course, he has to say this is a moment to come together. Uh, be a uniter, not a divider. Blah blah blah. You know the 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 ordinary pablum. But um, I I honestly feel that if if um, if I were Biden, I would ignore it. I would use the entire uh, reach and strength of the executive to get across uh, exactly what I want to get across in policy and um, and do what I think the conservative element is doing um, in their. Uh, lip service to Trump. Um, this is expediency. This is politically, political expedience. There's no way that any career politician like my namesake, Lindsey Graham, for instance, can mm-hmm. switch his, his, his rhetoric pre or, or post-Trump win so, so severely. Um, he is not a stupid man. He's a very savvy man. In fact, and I, I I, would I would I would suggest that if I were elected President and I had a Democratic agenda that Was thwarted for four years um, I would just honestly shut My mouth and do the Thwarting myself mm. and uh, there Would be no uh, I, I the playbook would be Would be pretty similar because it's it Obviously works and it has consequences uh, Judicially especially um, For that That will resonate for decades
3: Well and I think mm. I think that there is there's an opportunity, though, and if you look at, if you look at FDR as a, a case study for, you know, a pr- politician who was perceived as being moderate by his own party, who brought in sweeping progressive reform, and, you know, obviously pushed through the New Deal. Right. One of, one of the things that he did to build a bipartisan coalition is he put Republicans on his cabinet, and he gave Republicans—he put Republicans in positions of power— I think Biden has an opportunity here because I think that most Americans, I think the majority of Americans are moderates, whether they, whether they lean to the left or whether they lean to the right. I think that they're there. They would probably, if the chips were down and they had to identify as being something they would be, I would think they would identify as moderates. I think it doesn't seem that way when you're on social media, because the fringes on the right and the fringes on the left tend to yell the loudest yeah. from the back of the room. But I think Biden does, has built a coalition. It's it, it the, the, margin of victory is tighter than I'd like it to be. But I think one way to assuage, you know, if you think that unity is the goal, one way that he might go about that is by taking his cues from FDR. Because if you bring Republicans into the tent and give them, which he's done, and give some of them positions of power, then it sort of belies the, the argument that he's this puppet for the radical left. On the other hand, mm. if you go the other way and say we're going to push this through, we're not going to wait, um, you know, it's hard to say which one is is ha- will have, you know, greater effect. But I think that there are some historical precedents for him to consider in terms of, of building, you know, a bipartisan government.
1: Well, that that's the Democrats and where they could go. Yeah. W- what about the Republicans? Because I, I think this is going to be the most fascinating thing to watch over the next upcoming months. Is well, where I, I think, where I, do the Republicans go? Because they've got two choices, as I see it. They either lean into Trumpism, or they try and revert. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go. What what what, what are your predictions? I don't
0: think there will be any reversion. I think uh, the focus will shift. I mean, it depends on what Trump does himself in his post-political career. Uh, he cl- clearly carries with him some importance and a fan base of sorts but but i also think that that fan base is fickle and what what the republicans have learned is that um that they can do almost anything um which is kind of what i said uh, what i said about biden the political Mm. lesson of the last four years is that you can do anything if you have the power that that norms are there to be broken that um there is no restraint even even legally sometimes um and um you should just go for it it reminds me of a um if you've ever played like intramural softball if a team is just slightly better than another team they uh they'll force errors on you it's it's embarrassing and um and if you're the if you're the the slightly less better team in which um the base runner just keeps running because he knows if you try to get him out you're probably going to throw the ball wrong and he can just keep running and keep running you can't catch him even though uh the the game should be played in a manner that if he just he should stop because that's that's the prudent thing to do um i'm not sure how softball is going to carry over uh, into this, this you know, your audience. But
1: um, <laughs> uh... I, 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 w- I was going to say, I'm sure that will mean a lot to most of our listeners who, who are from America. But I in my head, I'm just imagining a game that's crossed between cricket and tennis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... and that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, then. <laughs> well, um,
0: oh, go ahead. So, so to, to, to... <laughs> step back from the analogy. Um, <laughs> the lesson that's been learned is that you just keep running if you were expected to be tagged out, if you're expecting to be find uh, any resistance just blow through it and mm. I think that's uh, what, we, what we've seen, there are no rep- repercussions
1: I, I think that's what Trump has, has taught the world mm. uh, or at least reminded the world is that there was almost a, a, a hidden set of rules, uh, an agreement unspoken amongst politicians and the public that certain lines would not be crossed. Yep. Uh, and uh, he, he, like you say, just blew through them. And every time that everyone stood around looking aghast at the wreckage that was left behind, uh, oh, he's, he's already gone. He's on to yeah. the next thing. Yeah. And it's always catch-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could argue Trump is a true progressive. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, I have something like I don't know. I have something pretty inflammatory to say, and this this Ooh, this, on, this, this, will, this is going to ruffle some feathers among legitimate <laughs> historians, of which I am not. the The party systems, right? I'm sure mm. you guys came across this in in your research on presidents, right? We are we are in you know, a certain party system, a party alignment, right? It's the sixth party system in American history. And just to give you the the the, the cliff notes version, I won't I won't bore you, but by most historians accountings First party systems: the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans. It's born right alongside our country, and it lasts the Andrew Jackson years. That's the second Mm -hmm. party system, where you got the Democrats and the Whigs. You got the third party system, which ushers in the Republican Party, the modern day Republican Party, and it's cemented with the election of Abraham Lincoln. You got Teddy Roosevelt's accidental presidency in the wake of McKinley's assassination brings us the fourth party system, which is the growth of the Progressive Era, and then you've got you know FDR's uh, ascendancy begins the fifth party system, and then in the 1960s, we have the modern day sixth party system, right? And what what they're like, there are two things that are true about all of those shifts in the party systems is that they always happen in the middle of great internal division. This isn't surprising, between the moderate factions and on the left, the progressive factions, and on the right, the conservative factions and the moderate factions. And those party realignments always happen with the rise of a transformational politician, usually a president. Right. I just named a bunch of them. I believe, Mm. and this is my inflammatory thing that's going to, you know, ruffle a lot of feathers. I believe that it's possible that we have reached the end of the sixth party system and that Donald Trump is going to be the president who ushered in a new political realignment. To go back to your original question about what's going to happen with the Republicans, I think this is part and parcel of what I'm saying. Just like on the left, the progressives and the moderates are literally at war with one another mm. right now, right? You saw that in the Democratic primary in 2020. You saw that in the primary in 2016 between the moderates and the progressives. Bernie versus Hillary, you know, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren versus, you know, Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, right? The establishment versus the progressives. On the right, they are having the exact same conversation. So the Republican Party is going to go basically is going to go one of two ways. It's going to go the way of Trumpism, likely, or the moderates in the party are going to try to wrest back control of the party. They're going to try to reestablish and root the Republican Party in its more traditional values. But I think that what's interesting is, is that the, the Bernie Sanders crowd, Lindsay mentioned this earlier, that after, you know, in the 2016 election, 10 percent of Bernie Sanders voted for Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders supporters mm. voted for Trump. Well, Why is that? That's because in the Venn diagram of Bernie Sanders' liberal populism and Donald Trump's, what do you want to call it, Republican populism, conservative populism? I don't even know what you want to call it. But Trump. In, yeah, the Trumpism. In the Venn diagram of Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, there, there's a lot there in the center. There's a lot mm. of American worker first policies and a lot of yeah. free trade policies at the, at the heart of that that Americans like. And I think it's very possible that we're going to see those... Trump supporters who voted for him for economic purposes align with (laughs) progressives on the left. I know that that sounds sounds hard to wrap your head around, but
1: I think it's entirely possible. Well, I I think the the way we discuss politics uh, stemming from the French Revolution with uh, left wing and right wing is so embedded now that we do see it as just a single axis scale. And it's obviously more complex than that. Yes, Uh, it's a sphere, right? yeah, yeah. You, you see things moving all over the place. And I, I remember uh, reading uh, after the 26th election, uh, speculating why on earth would any Bernie supporter vote for Trump? But it's it's like you say, there, there are things that line up here. If you don't like the way the country's being ran by the same people with the same names, if someone can come along and say, I will do it differently... That was Bernie's message, but that was also Trump's message. Yeah, I mean, if you're a
3: un- if you're a union factory worker in the Rust Belt, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for a globalist, or are you going to vote for somebody who's saying that they're going to bring factories back mm. to your city? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you got to feed your family. There's nobody else going to take yeah. care of you. That's where that's coming from. It's not purely race. It wasn't purely sexism in 2016. There is a there is a thing there that he spoke to that made him uniquely mm. suited to win that election. And I mean, you could talk about Hillary's pluses and minuses until you're blue in the face, but that thing is still going to be there. I think the only person that could have beat Trump in 2016 was Joe Biden, because he speaks to that community, right? I mean, that's why he yeah, won Pennsylvania. Yeah. He, he's, he is from there. That's where he came up. That's where he cut his teeth. And he has a special yeah. connection to the to the folks in the Rust Belt. They trust Joe Biden because he's he's been there for, as Trump likes to say, 47 years.
1: <laughs> well... Shall we? Shall we make some bold predictions rather than yeah. sweeping generalizations? Shall we? Let's uh, do it before we end. Who is going to run for president in twenty twenty four for both parties?
3: <laughs> who wants to go first? Uh,
0: um, well, we have to. We have to. First, we have to decide if if Biden is going to uh, elect to run himself. He's the oldest elected uh, uh, yeah. president to begin with. And I, I don't know. And he's already shown a, a, a personal reluctance to to run in. Um, How did he said that?
2: You'll just do one term.
0: Uh, no, I don't know that he's promised it at all. But okay. I think it's a very, it, you know, it's something that has to be considered. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, uh, given the shape of the nation, let's let's say that, let's say that the ship is righted, uh, however you you feel or Biden feels it should have been, and uh, and. Then he'd be, at that point, eighty, 80 what, eighty-one years old. Eighty-one. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he opted out of an election cycle because uh, of family tragedy. He might opt out of an election cycle because he's just he's just tired.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> makes sense. Uh,
0: so so that's the the first question, and I I don't know I don't think it depends on the uh, the circumstances, but I would I would say if the if the State of the country uh, is good. And um, then I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he
3: bows out. I I'll make I'll make my prediction. Are you ready? Go on. Up. <laughs> I think in 2024 that it's possible that we will see our first female president. I think it will either be Kamala Harris
1: or Ivanka Trump. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you, so. You're, you're you are predicting a full Trump takeover,
3: yeah, I th- of the
1: Republican Party. Then,
3: I I, 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 yes. I mean, I think it's already happened. Like, like, you look at Ted Cruz, right? Ted Cruz wants to be president, and he's already mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, lay, setting up the dominoes for that to happen. And you hear Ted Cruz defending Trump on the Sunday talk shows. He's doing that because he knows that to to win the nomination in 2024, he's going to have to at least pay lip service to Trumpism. You know, I mean, you got to remember that at the Republican convention in 2016, Ted Cruz didn't endorse Donald Trump. And just yeah, like and just yeah. like our Lindsey Graham's namesake, he has now become a sycophant to the president. Right. And mm-hmm. and, and so, I mean, he's going to have to keep giving lip service to Trumpism, whether he believes it at his core or not. And I believe that Ted Cruz does not. Um, But I I mean, I don't I hope that didn't sound like I said something favorable about Ted Cruz. I wouldn't want that to be the case. Um, (laughs) But but I think I mean, I think that there is going to be a big battle. I think we're going to have a crowded Republican field in 2024. um, And I think it's very likely to be Kamala. Uh, on the on the left um but i actually don't know who it is but i do think that ivanka could very well be our first female president i think if anybody out there doesn't think don jr is going to run for president and doesn't think ivanka is going to run for president it doesn't think matt gates is going to run for president then they're not paying attention
1: do you think there's a chance that trump jr and ivanka both run
3: Oh a oh, ticket wow. like a Trump Trump ticket <laughs> Trump squared?
1: Oh I was thinking against oh. each other but now I'm that's even more terrifying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Make America great again again again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean do you think are you suggesting that Ivanka would run try to be a democrat? No 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 sorry in the primaries. Oh in the primary. Um, oh yeah. god that would be delightful. I would just I would relish every minute of that but huh. No, I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know if, if Ivanka really has presidential ambitions, but I think she has ambition for power and wealth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it would be surprising to see her kind of become a more palatable kind of Ronald Reagan-y version of her of her dad.
1: I mean, there, there was a, a report, I think it's about a year into Trump's presidency, where Ivanka was saying she wanted to be the first female president. Um, I but, think she has I mean, the best chance of any woman on the planet right now. Really?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, see.
1: I just think uh, Trump's rise was so quick uh, mm. that the demise could be just as swift. Uh, the, the fact that it's, it's Trumpism, um, everything's built around Trump, it's all around his name. But it's, and people talk about it being his name, but it's not his name, it's him. It's him as a person. If you take Donald Trump out of the equation, can someone fill those shoes? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, I genuinely don't know the answer. Like, it's like it's a like it's, a
3: like it's a cult of personality.
0: It's absolutely a cult of yeah. personality. And, and and as you know, the question of of whether Trumpism will will continue is probably a question of what happens to Trump and will Trump continue? The the Republican Party, I think, I've, I've stated and we've hinted at, um, has discovered the lack of consequences and the breaking of the power breaking yeah. norms. Um, that will certainly continue. Um, mm-hmm. but who will be the standard bearer, uh, is, is completely uncertain. I mean, there are legal and financial consequences facing Trump right now that, that just could mm. pull him completely out of circulation, quite literally. Um, and so there, there needs to be, that vacuum needs to be filled. Um, I don't know who, who could do it, uh, on the national stage because I don't think there's... Uh, I mean, Ted Cruz probably could, he's got, he's got, uh, the, um, well, the snakiness. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> the I was going to say, it's something about the eyes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, 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 does it with a straight face and a believable yeah. straight face. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you, yeah. if he says something, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it doesn't appear to be as fork tongued as it obviously is. Hmm. Um, so anyways, my, my thought is Trumpism has to be renamed because Trump is probably going away. And I'm, I'm startled that uh, uh, Ivanka is a serious consideration in your mind, Steve, but um, I see why. But uh, she doesn't have—she's not enough Trump to, to pull mm-hmm. it off. You know, she's a wan a, a diplomat of Trumpism and not the
3: firebrand she needs to be. I have something nice to—I'll say something nice about Ted Cruz. I think that that guy's brilliant. I mean, oh, he's I, super smart. I think he's. I think it's potentially pure evil. But I think he's. <laughs> but I think he's. I think he's brilliant. And I think that if anybody could get it done, he can. You know, he he to me seems like he could keep the Trump coalition and the neoconservative coalition together.
1: You know, oh, yeah, he, he'd be able to achieve everything that Trump achieved uh, with his eyes shut and without people hating him for it. Uh, I I genuinely think he'd do a lot better job. Because he's a politician
2: was... with a Trump mindset.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Ooh, yeah, and, and yeah. don't
2: forget that he grew a beard, so he's likable now. <laughs> yes, exactly. No no, but... no, 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 no. Beards don't make you likable.
3: Yes, they do, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> no, they no, no one, no one Smooth likes you chin anymore, is Jamie. The way to
1: go. I love the fact that when he grew his beard, though, he just looked even more sinister.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like when Rick Perry got the dark rimmed glasses, and then it's like, oh, he's smart. You know,
2: it's like it's like how dumb do they think we are?
1: Uh, right. Well. I've got uh, one can, more question, and then... Can, can I, oh, can no, I, sorry, Jamie, go on.
2: Sorry, I've, I've got a theory. I, I think 2024, Trump will run again, and he'll become president again.
1: <laughs> You're not letting it go. Is this so you can grow your beard back?
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking this because Biden's, like, everyone's... You know, it's going to be an uphill struggle. There's so much tribalism now. It's going to be awful. And it's misinformation of fraud... I think the other side will rally behind that and go, yes, no, you're right. It's going to be four years to churn that around the system, implant itself in social media, and I think Trump will run again. I think Trump will be president in 2024.
1: I, I think the biggest challenge that Trump will face is not even all the legal problems that are about to hit him. If you, and it really uh, stood out, uh, again, listening to your latest Wicked Game episode, if you just listened to Trump from four years ago and now listen to him... Yeah. There is a marked difference there. That's I mean, true. the presidency ages everyone. Of course it does. It, it's stressful, even if you do it like Trump did it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm i not convinced that he it will be up to, for it in four years' time. I mean, as much as I'm going to say he'll be 77 in four years' time, and who would be president at 77? That <laughs> I mean, kind of gets blown out of the water slightly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's... Uh, the, the fact is, he's, he's getting on now. Um, I, yeah, there might be some support there, but I also don't think he liked being president. No, I don't think he did
3: it all. I don't think he expected it. I think he wanted his network. I mean, I think the Trump network yeah, yeah. is what he wanted. And I hope, you know, I mean, like, I think it could do a lot of damage, but I also think if it keeps him out of the White House, I say go for it, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> say what you want on your channel.
3: Knock yourself out. You know, the, the thing about it, I, I just don't trust.
0: Any any theory of, of Trump that uh, that ascribes to him any sort of competence? Um, so no. uh, of
2: the, <laughs> the idea that he can
0: start and successfully run a, a media network um, he's not he's not a Murdoch he's not a Turner he doesn't he doesn't have the wiles the wiles to do this. You can't bully an audience of millions like you can in a closed room you know real estate deal. And, uh, yeah. and so I, I just, I just don't think, I don't think any, any theory that says that he's, um, he's got a master plan. I don't buy it. No,
3: no, I, I, I second that. I think the only plan that Trump has is to try to keep people talking about him. I think, and look at us, we're doing it right now. I mean, I think that that's mm-hmm. the one, like, and I don't think that that's, you know, I don't know that there's strategy behind it. I don't know that there's forethought behind it. I think it's probably motivated by just narcissism. But I think he's he does do a good job of it. I mean, he knows how to keep himself at the center of the conversation.
2: But That's what a- better way than to apply for presidency in 2024? So straight away, it's like, yeah, I'm running again. Sure. sure.
1: yeah, yeah absolutely. It could happen. Uh, I'd, I'm going to say it's not going to, but it, it's not a ridiculous... <laughs> uh, no, 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 I mean like there's certainly not the stupidest sweaty, thing though. I've said.
0: Yeah. Uh, there, there's precedent for it. You know, Grover Cleveland yeah. pulled it off, um, mm. and uh, and but what a wild Republican primary season that would be!
3: Oh boy, um, mm.
0: because it would be if if I'm right, then it's it's open seats for everyone. You know, there's no incumbent at all. Biden yeah. will will yeah. decline mm. the the, the uh, nomination, and uh, we'll just have probably the biggest slate of candidates we've ever seen
1: yeah Mm. interesting times coming up that's for sure uh right i've got i've got one more question and then a short game if you're willing to play it yes yeah (laughs) okay Uh, this last question though is is it needs to be asked i'm guessing uh, most listeners of wicked game have been thinking it throughout most episodes uh, why did you not use chris isaac's wicked game as the introduction music
0: yeah. there is a thing called licensing
1: fees oh. <laughs> oh. It's such a shame i that's also that's ideas. a horrible idea
3: i also <laughs> i i just listen to that song on repeat and in my playlist all the time i, uh,
1: I i'm not surprised as you are doing the research
3: and i mean you know we did a bad bad thing that's all i'll say about that
1: <laughs> right okay um this game what I want to know is, uh, is what president is Wicked Game? Okay. So uh, I, I have got one of these really rubbish online uh, quizzes. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you 10 questions, but you need to answer as a podcast. Okay. Okay. Negotiation. We will find out what, what president you are. So all first right. of all, what angers you most in the world? Is it injustice people who are naive about how the world works, uh, nothing in particular upsets you, or people who won't step up when necessary. Lindsay, you get to go. Oh No, we have to answer as a... Uh, are,
0: are you going to say injustice? Probably. Probably? Uh, I I don't like the wording of, of this um, because I, I lean towards the second one, um, but that's also informed by injustice. So uh,
1: we will compromise and say injustice. <laughs> Fair enough. Injustice it is. Okay, what do you like about sport? Is it the competition, the winning? They give me a chance to show off my leadership skills. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Good choice. Right, okay. <laughs> I, I just want to know who's, who's going on to the, uh, the sports pitch. Shows how much I know. Uh, thinking about showing off their leadership skills in the, in the next game. It just seems weird. Right, okay, question three. Which of these would people regard as your biggest flaw? So, is Wicked Game, as a podcast, a little too arrogant? Uh, can it be cold when dealing with people? Is it a little dishonest? Uh, does the podcast live life too dangerously? Cat can it be a bit boring at times?
0: I think we're too cold. I think we're too cold. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> it off. Easy answer there. Right. Okay. Question four. Which of these would be a great way to spend a day off from work? Going to the library, a keg party, with an exclamation mark, spending the day meditating, watching a documentary, or shopping?
0: Lindsay? Well, I... Okay, so here's the thing. If if I went to a keg party, that would kind of indicate I'm allowed to go to a keg party and the pandemic's over. So I'm really That's inclined true. to pick that one. Let's pick that one. I was going
3: to say shopping at a library for my favorite documentaries. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then
1: having a but beer. Only, later. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say only after the keg party. Let's surely. go keg party.
3: I'm in. I'm in.
1: I don't Good. even dr- I don't
3: even drink, but I'm in. <laughs>
1: Which of these is your favorite movie star? Marlon Brando, Clint Eastwood, Jerry Lewis, Sean Connery, Henry Fonda, Anthony Hopkins.
0: Ooh, so tough. I I think but we have to answer as a podcast. I think we have to say Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood he, he's the only, he's the only
3: movie star who made the made the script. He was, that's true. I guess we have to, but I just want to state for the record, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go Eastwood. Let's go Eastwood. I was going to pick Marlon Brando, but I'll I'll let it slide. Oh. Okay. There we go. We're going we we're going um, to end up with a Republican. There's no doubt. <laughs>
1: Okay, how would you describe your sense of humor? Is it politically incorrect, a little racy, kind of corny, I don't do humor? I don't do humor. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. The podcast is not humorous, not in the least. It's not.
1: Okay. Would you ever perform in a talent show? Yes, no, or I'm too shy, which is also no, but just phrased differently. <laughs> I
3: think I
1: think yes. We would MC yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can definitely see Wicked Game being in a, a talent show. Wicked definitely.
3: Game the musical.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> do you like to get dressed up for a night out on the town? I do, but my style is a little odd. I don't like bringing attention to myself. I'd rather hang out in a sports bar, only if there's something in it for me.
3: What's, what's number one again?
1: I do, but my style is a little odd.
3: Oh, I don't know if that's. I don't know, Lindsay. Do, do you what, what, wear feathers?
1: What? <laughs> I mean, that's not part of the quiz. That's just a, a question Jamie always asks everyone we talk oh, to. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: uh, what is the second option?
1: Uh, I don't like bringing attention to myself.
0: See, I'm, I'm inclined to say that um, because we don't really
3: have much of, a, of an editorial voice. Yeah, I agree. Fair enough. Okay. Because if we did, my version of it would be called donald trump and nobody <laughs> nobody would give it, no advertisers would give us any money for that show
1: okay number 10 where would you like to retire so i mean the podcast is coming to an end now at least the episodes you planned are so wh- where's the podcast going next is it las vegas a quiet town in the midwest some someplace exotic like the jungle or somewhere on the west coast I'm I'm West Coast. That's where I'd retire.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think it's it's time to just uh, find a beach. Yeah, I'll go beach or jungle,
1: really, at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, Anywhere okay. where there's not Twitter.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. And how would you spend a weekend in Vegas? Would you gamble? We just said we're not going there. Well, you're tough. You got on the wrong flight. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so you, you've landed in Vegas. You, you've swallowed down your disappointments. What are you going to do as a podcast? Are you going to gamble? Are you going to chase after some loving? Are you going to go, <laughs> gonna go to some shows? Or uh, are you going to just rail against all the immorality?
3: Well, I'm uh, recently divorced, so I'd probably chase after some loving. But I think Lindsay is in a,
1: <laughs> I think Lindsay's in a slightly different situation. Uh, yes. Um but the podcast oh, but yes yeah, the podcast what what would uh, wicked game be doing oh um definitely number 4 number 4
0: we rail against the morality immorality yeah i think so i don't know uh, pod- no, we- <laughs> wait was strip clubs an option <laughs> no <laughs> I, I think number
1: 2 can count strip clubs <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> podcast no i think with our um measured me- uh our measured thinking and, and and powers of reason we we would try to <laughs> We'd try to win against the house and go gambling.
3: I, I'll second.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a painful choice there. But okay, we, that's it. That's question 10. So here we go. Who are We're Calculating we? the results. Let's get the results. I do love it these It's going to be Martin
3: Van Buren. I can already
2: tell. <laughs> Is it posse?
1: <laughs> no, no, it's a president. I, I swear these just show up a random one. Go on. Who do you think you've got?
0: Uh, we, it has to be Trump, right? You, you, you've giggled too, a little too much. No, no, it's it's not that. Okay. <laughs> I mean,
1: who is it like Millard Fillmore or something? Uh, like, no. what is it? We're, we're LBJ. You are, apparently, an unusual person in a good way, but also some bad. You stick to your beliefs, no matter how unpopular they are, and you have a strong sense of morality, and you refuse to let anyone pull you away from what you believe. You are, of course... Abraham Lincoln. Oh! Oh. That's
3: that's, that's so much better than what I was
1: thinking you were about to say. (laughs) You could do a lot worse than yeah, picking yeah. Lincoln But you're uh, you right, know, when you were I think Republican. Of,
0: When I think of gambling keg parties I, I do think of Abraham Lincoln yeah, that's Exactly I <laughs> mean, it's,
1: That's why he was so grumpy during the war so much it's, it's, It was the hangovers that's,
3: Yeah, that's why he was so blue
1: <laughs> Yeah So there you go, you can officially put that in Wicked Game now You can announce that you are Abraham Lincoln We are as, Abraham Lincoln As a podcast which is great. Uh, before we go, what what is the future uh, of Wicked Game? Because uh, obviously you've got one more very important episode coming up. Oh, do we?
3: Oh, Lord help us! Gosh. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: so the future of Wicked Game. Uh, Wicked Game is probably on hiatus for the foreseeable future. Um, we actually had a little bit of trouble uh, getting advertisers for the show, and uh, we were told that oh. it was uh, advertisers didn't. Jump on board because uh, because it was too political.
1: Um, really, the yeah. history of political elections. Well, so, uh,
3: <laughs> shocker.
0: Yeah, uh, what I've what I've come to understand is that advertisers uh, don't really care about content much at all. They care about checking boxes and brand safety. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it's very easy to say, I need this this size audience and no no drugs, sex, or politics. Right, you can just you can just cast out a whole section of of shows that way, and that that's what happened to us. So unfortunately, I don't think Wicked Game can continue. Um, oh. uh, so we're we're switching gears, and uh, I'm I'm glad to be continue to continue to be working with Steve on a new podcast uh, coming out this January uh, on Wondery. Um, I think we've come down come up with a title. Are we allowed to say? Yeah, they they announced uh, oh, they announced uh, on. We've Pod got Front. an
1: exclusive, Jamie. We've got an, Oh no, it's already been announced. It's not an <gasps> yeah, so we uh, can pretend it's an exclusive, right? It's, well, it's pretty
3: exclusive. All right, I mentioned almost it. exclusive. I mentioned it earlier, and it's called it's called Wicked Game the Musical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wicked Game.
0: Right. So we take the the American elections out of it, and then the advertisers <laughs> just fall right in. Um, <laughs> So uh, it's Business Movers comes out. uh, It's the history of business stories of success and failure and the people behind it. And it comes out January something or other, probably middle of January. Um, Wondery is is again going to assist us in distribution and ad sales. And uh, we're looking forward to it. I I know already that that Steve is is quite glad to be researching Walt Disney, for instance, rather than (laughs) Donald Trump.
3: It, yes. it, is, it is. As I keep saying to people when they ask me what it, this experience on business movers has been like so far, I say it's delightful because it's so um, joyful to like explore a character like Walt Disney as opposed to to writing about, say, the 2016 election.
2: It's just mm-hmm, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's like
3: a walk in the park or a warm bath or a glass of
2: wine or something. Do, I, do, do, do you ever worry, though, that at some point you're going to have to like Donald Trump as well? No, as a businessman.
3: Well, because I think we're writing about the most successful businessman in American history, <laughs> oh, so we can, yeah, fair sk- we, can, we can just sort of we can we can just skip over that
1: bit. I think.
3: I <laughs> uh, hope I'm not speaking too soon.
1: <laughs> I definitely think I know the feeling with uh, the idea of a warm bath. After a while of just researching president after president, you really do feel like you you just need to go and have a shower and do something easy and refreshing (laughs) you really do well thank you very very much for for coming on ashay uh it's been great just just generally chatting about the election which obviously it's big news and uh yeah it's been interesting talking about current affairs instead of history for once which is good uh so thank you for coming on well thank you for having us thanks for having us Uh, well
2: where, where can we download you
0: well, uh, it, it will be coming out in January, and it should be discoverable in any of your favorite pod players. Uh, just search for Business Movers, um, or probably you can sign up for a Wondery newsletter and have it shift right into your inbox when it, when it comes out.
1: Fantastic. Great. Okay, then. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, and uh, all that we need to say, then, is Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.